this is how I see it and this is how I try to work through it daily, is just consistently putting one foot in front of the other and just doing that every single day. It's been relentless in in continually doing the right things. Now, again, that comes back to coaches that I worked for in the past with football. Just do the right things and do them continually and the results will take care of themselves. That was, of course, Rob Pacey. You can hear more from Rob very soon. But first, we'd like to draw your attention to the sponsor of this episode, The Learning Physiotherapist. The Learning Physiotherapist is an online platform that was launched by myself and David this year, where we've brought together some of the world's most renowned physiotherapists and sports medicine experts to give lessons on the soft skills that make all of the difference in the profession. Some of the experts include Amy Arendale, Stefania Rizzo, Dr. Ian Horsley, Nicole Van Dyke, Grant Downey, Benoit Matthew, to name but a few. Not only will you get access to masterclasses delivered by these mentors, but you'll also get the chance to join a community of like-minded, ambitious physiotherapists looking to learn, network and grow. And finally, the best part about The Learning Physiotherapist is that it's a non-profit organisation. Each monthly membership goes towards supporting cancer research, IBS, Down syndrome and mental health support services. The course has just kicked off in January of this year, but there's still time to join. So check us out at www.thelearningphysiotherapist.com. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, episode number 104. Today we spoke with Robert Pacey, host of the Pacey Performance Podcast, SNC coach and sports scientist. Reserve team football, academy strength and conditioning, sports science roles all paved the way to what is one of the most successful and interesting pods out there, seven years on and still evolving. The Pacey Performance Podcast aims to bring together the minds of the best strength and conditioning coaches and sports scientists from the world of pro sport and to date has over 5 million downloads. Mastermind sessions, speed training, sleep research, guidance and tech, and how there is a disconnect between what research says, what we actually do, are all discussed in this episode. Rob shares his learning process to gather knowledge for show prep and post-show reflection, his favorite books, podcasts, and why guests come on his show, The Real Hook. Keep up to date with everything that is going on with his podcast by following on Twitter, Strength of Sci, or Instagram at Strength of Science, or visiting strengthofscience.com. His most recent episode with Bryce Kavanagh of the FA was fascinating. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Rob Pacey, thanks for taking the time to come on this morning. Me and David, very excited to talk to you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, guys. How are you? We're doing okay, Rob. You know, Christmas week here um Dublin, lots and lots of rain, but sure, that is the norm. Where, where's home for you, Rob, just so the listeners can have a sense as to where you're calling in from? Yes, I'm just southeast of Leeds, and just having a look out the window, it's not much different here, unfortunately. Very depressing unfortunately but we're getting by we're all right so as we're not speaking to someone based in the west indies where the weather could be a little bit different <laughs> absolutely not i wouldn't survive in the west indies unfortunately as as a, a pale ginger head man i would um probably die yeah, yeah not dissimilar <laughs> uh, ginger beard so um so rob look you've had quite a quite a successful journey um to date obviously and very much considered a thought leader because of all the knowledge you've acquired in the sports science and SNC space. So really looking forward to just unlocking the wisdom, the insights that you've um, 
probably a team after what, what 320 odd episodes is that right that's absolutely right yeah i think we're on 300 and yeah 325 326 something like that where did it start like why did you start with the pacey podcast the pacey performance podcast is is synonymous in the space but share the origins as to how you came about starting in the first place yeah it was a it was a very selfish endeavor to be perfectly honest i was i was in a job as a academy strength and conditioning coach academy sports scientist whatever it was a league one club at the time in doncaster rovers and i was the only guy in the academy and that's why i say i could have been strength and conditioning sports science whatever i wanted to call myself i call myself it um head of if you don't mind um head of nothing and I was I was in that club and I was I felt like I needed to move on and I'd been there I think I'd been there two two and a half years and it was the club that I'd played at previously so I ended up I was playing for Doncaster as a youth team reserve team player for three years and then five years later having done my degree came back and and back into the club that I kind of knew from previous and it was very much the same staff same manager a lot in the club had changed and got better because they'd ended up getting promoted to the championship, but then getting relegated again. So there was actually a um, a sports scientist, a head of sports science in the first team, which there wasn't when I was there as a player. But yeah, I wanted to get away and I just felt like I needed to move on and, and just get, get a new experience of a different club. But I was finding that really, really challenging and applied for lots of different academy roles, wasn't particularly getting anywhere. I didn't have an MSc, I had my UKC, yeah, I think, at the t- uh, I was doing my UKC at the time. And I just started listening to a podcast with Nick Grantham and Brendan Chaplin, who was based in Leeds, or is based in Leeds. And I was listening to this, and it was Brendan was quite a pioneer in that online education space and strength and conditioning. And I, I listened to his podcast, listened to his webinars, and got, got really involved in, in that online, educa- online education and thought, I wonder if I could do this. I reckon I could do this. And in about three minutes, convinced myself that I could. So, it, yeah, like I say, it was a very selfish endeavor because I wanted to build a build a, a network that would enable me to get another job, basically. However, having started it, and it's it's horrible even just thinking about how how it started and and the the recording quality of the first one. It was. A laptop. I think it was actually a desktop at the time, and my iPhone, probably iPhone four, iPhone five at the time, sat on my desk next to the speaker on voice memo while on Skype, and the guest was the guest voice was coming out of the speaker into my phone. It was brutal, but I think that's probably set the scene for the last seven years. Not that I still do it on my iPhone four, but that I just kind of start things and think, oh, I'll just learn as I go. And the, the first guy that came on was a strength and conditioning coach at Leeds University. And I just got to know him because at the same time, I'd kind of tried to pull all this, what I had together, which was a very, very small network to try to get out of the club. And I'd met, I'd met Ben when I'd gone to University of Leeds to see their program and see what they're doing. Just spent a little bit of time with, with him. So he was the first guest. And then we had a couple of others after it that I'd just got to message on Twitter. So Keir Wenham Flat, uh, rugby strength coach, Mike Young, uh, Mladen Ivanovic, and no one really knew what a podcast was at the time. 
So got them guys on, and it was funny because I, I can't remember who it was, but someone did reply with, what is a podcast? Do you want me to write an article for you? That was kind of the state of podcasting at the time in, well, seven, six and a half, seven years ago. So in summary, it was a very selfish endeavor that came about because I wanted to get another job, but very quickly realized that it wasn't going to do that, but it was potentially going to do something for me personally, a lot, a lot bigger than that. Excellent. With the network that you bring up, and you mentioned that you a small network, what was it like reaching out to some of the bigger fish, say, in the sports science field, strength and condition field? Did you feel, get a conversation with these, and I can learn, as you said, that selfish part, but it must have changed at some stage that you were reaching out to people to try and give back. So when did it flip for you to say, when you target a certain specific person that you were actually looking for you know, information for your audience as opposed to yourself? I think it was I think it was right away. I, I know I said that it was a very selfish endeavor, et cetera, et cetera, but I think I always knew that I could give something back to the to the guest. That was the main thing for me at the start was I get something from them, i.e. knowledge experience. But what they get is access to an audience that I had no idea it was there. And the ability for them to promote a book, promote their website, promote their course, whatever it was, workshop, and very quickly realized that everyone everyone had something else to sell or to promote. And even if that was just themselves, that was always the hook for quite a while that I went in with when contacting anyone was, you speak to me for 35, 40 minutes, and I'll give you 10 minutes and we'll talk about your website or your upcoming conference presentation or whatever it may be so they always got some for me they always got something out of it but again very quickly realized that often that wasn't really necessary because people were just happy to come on share their philosophy share what they were doing and were just interested in formulating their thoughts in audio form rather than what had been done before blogging and writing research articles or whatever their preferred form of dissemination was it was just a new a new well what I thought at the time was a new medium and it, it kind of just went like that and it was it was it was quite you know both sides got something from it as well as the audience hopefully which again was kind of a secondary thing because I didn't really know what if anyone was listening I didn't I wasn't aware of how to get stats and things like that how long people were listening if people were listening but then got a little bit of traction on Twitter and realized I think there is actually someone out there who does listen to these and it's not just me and the other person, you know, chatting amongst ourselves. I mean, it's quite impressive with the people you've managed to speak to. People really diverse from, you know, the glute guy, Brett Contreras, to Shabby Schelling, who I'd know from time with the Spurs, to Loreno Torres. I mean, we could go on and on and on, you know, Burgess over in Australia. What's been the common thread or theme you've seen throughout having spoken to all these thought leaders in that space of expertise? Has there been one? I think the thing that really stands out is there's a lot of good people in our industry. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people willing to share their knowledge and their experience for, for no monetary exchange. And I think that's something that, upon, upon reflection, really, that's something that's really, just really nice about our industry, that people are willing to do that. And that probably again, maybe can turn to a negative when it when people are doing lots for free and, and feel it very uncomfortable feel very uncomfortable about asking for something in return. But 
that's probably one thing that does really stand out is people's willingness to share. And I think that was often when I started doing it seven years ago, that was, like I said, that was done through a little bit of video, but mostly through written articles. And I think the podcast, and not just mine, but podcasting in general, has really pushed the boundaries on that with people just coming on and just opening up and telling people, telling the world pretty much everything that they do there in their organizations. And I suppose to answer the question, I think that is that's probably the one big standout, whether it's Darren Burgess when he was at Port Adelaide, just coming on and divulging the, the, the kind of preseason that he was having, or and like like you say, Javi Schelling at um at the Spurs coming on and talking about his thoughts and ideas around sports technology. Just people are willing to, you know, lay it on the lay it out in, in front of the of the audience for, for everyone to have a little look. So that for me, that's a huge positive for our industry. And I think podcasting in general has really helped that. It definitely has. And you've clearly influenced so many people and so many aspiring SNC coaches, sports science physios, you name it. They've obviously been influenced over the 320 odd episodes and they've changed probably how they practice. What do you think has changed most about yourself since when you started the podcast? Good question. Good question. I think a lot more about how I go about things and how about how I formulate questions and how I look or try to look a little bit further down the line of what content is being produced now that could potentially morph into something else a little bit further down the line. And, and, and what I mean by that is at the start, probably until about two years ago, I just think he's cool or she's doing some really good work, get her on, him on, let's just have a chat about X, Y, and Z and not have any real plan of how that fit into the bigger structure of the podcast. Okay, what am I actually missing? What what areas haven't we covered a lot recently or in the last couple of years that need addressing? Or what's hot now? And one um, one really good example comes to mind was the, the Game Changers uh, documentary on Netflix. Yeah. I could have, I, I should have got on that bit of a bandwagon and got someone to talk about that that do- that documentary but because i'm just a, i'm i'm often not sure about jumping on those popular bandwagons and adding to the noise where from a pretty a business point of view and a listenership point of view i probably should be so i think i've tried to get better at that and really try to plug gaps. And I really I recently, or in the summer, launched a masterclass series, which is basically the pulling together of the best bits in a, in a certain theme. And if I'd have done what I've just explained a little bit better in the early days, my life now would be a hell of a lot easier, like indexing things properly, describing things properly, what actually happened in that episode. I could go back and then like a library, just pick out pick out those bits. Whereas because I didn't do that particularly well, I'm fumbling through my notes and fumbling through audio and trying to pick these things out. So I'm trying to look a little bit further down the line now and treat it a little bit more as the bigger picture rather than just by each individual episode. But that's something that I'm certainly still working on 100%. And Rob, you mentioned the mastermind there and we've, we've had a look and... If you're, if you're not sure about that, anyone, just have a look. Um, Rob's got pieces on, you know, 
velocity-based training. I definitely know a couple of people in the UK be into that in the boxing space, speed, plyometrics, jumping, and all those sort of things. Rob, has there been anything overly unconventional maybe that you've seen that's piqued your interest you kind of didn't know a lot about, something that you found really innovative potentially or unconventional, or maybe you had to look at it in a different space, something that you came away from it unexpected? I think I've done a little bit of analysis over the last couple of days, actually, over the weekend, looking at podcast stats, looking at uh, Twitter interaction, looking at Instagram activity. And the one thing that is standing out by a country mile that is the most popular amongst all different channels is speed training. If you're an educator in speed training and you're not killing it at the minute, there's something wrong. And I actually text Jonas Doddu at the weekend and said, look, this is this is what I've found as someone who's in that space. It's a great time to be in there. And I think that is something that I've taken on board a lot recently is not only that, that them stats from from social media and the podcast, but that information that has been presented and how it's been presented. Because I think in the past, it's almost been a little bit mystical, a little bit subjective. It's the coach's eye, which you need 45 years experience to really capture. Now, I think the work of Altis and especially Jonas over in the here in the UK, that's really been objectified and explained a lot better than it previously was. And I think this is potentially me being a little bit, put myself out a little bit, but maybe that was when it was subjective, when it was a bit mystical in the coach's eye and the the 45 years experience needed, that kind of helped that community because it almost put on a pedestal that you had to be one of these guys who had 150 years experience. But now it's been brought down to the everyday coach level with Jonas and his his binary app and all these kind of objective things and and, and the, the education that goes along with that has really brought like I say brought it to the everyday man like like myself and not dumbed it down to, to be too simplistic but just for the masses and I don't think before it has so that's been one thing that I've really kind of taken on board because I've seen the stats and I've thought, okay, people are really interested in this, so I need to get more people on. And if I'm going to get more people on, I need to upskill myself so I'm not making myself look an idiot when I'm speaking to these guys. So I think that's definitely something that I've ups, had to upskill on because of the, the the pace that 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 side of the industry and the education that comes with it has has gone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen people like you know Shea Pierre based over in Toronto obviously Lee Taft has been there done it for a while you've touched on Altus um a good friend over he's actually in Miami at the moment because he's stuck there after a, a, a John Ryder fight Dan Lawrence head yes. of matchroom boxing has a program called uh, the everyday athlete coming out soon and from your perspective and kind of what you've learned um from the mastermind and from your pod for the everyday athlete, kind of what would be the nuances or the pieces for somebody interested in speed? So, you know, my dad, he's, he's a bit older. What could he maybe learn about speed? What could the two of us here learn about speed? You know, mid-30s, still trying to keep fit. What would be the big kind of the big rocks in the speed space? Resisted speed or resisted speed training, I think, is something that, again, has, has been a, a relatively 
common trend when I've been speaking to these guys. And not only that as a as a training stimulus, but as a mechanic, a mechanic changing tool or mechanic altering tool. So I think that's something that I'd encourage people to have a little look into and not just in the raw development of, of physical qualities, but like I say, as a tool to do to, to change mechanics and improve mechanics. But I'd always, and this is something that's quite interesting that you bring the more technical stuff up. And this is how I've tried to frame the podcast over the last seven years. And I suppose it's something that I've toyed with. Like, am I am I the po- am I the person who has an opinion and who adds to the conversation when I get I don't know. Ken Clark or Stuart Millen or Jonas Dodu. Am I the person that, am I the host of the podcast that adds to that conversation and adds my own perspective, my own experience and my own interpretation of research? Or am I the person who tries to get more out of the guest and tries to give more, more freedom to the guest? And I think I've always defaulted to the, to the, to the, to the latter and been that person or that host of the podcast who's, who has an opinion, but people turn up and want to listen to Jonas or to Stuart or to Cam Joss or whoever it may be. And me being quite comfortable with going, it's not about me here. Like, I've got an opinion, but I'm happy to keep that to myself because people are not particularly here to hear, here to listen to me. And I'm happy just to push them forward and go, just just you do your thing. And I'll just try to coach you and, you know, take you in the direction that I think the audience want to hear. So to come back to the initial question, hopefully I answered it within 30 seconds at the start. However, my default position has always been, I'm happy just to give the experts the, the push forward for them to be comfortable enough to open up and share their knowledge and experience because... Yes, I might have an opinion on resisted sprints, but like Jonas is doing it every day. Jonas is doing it six, seven hours a day, or Hacken Anderson's doing it with his guys over in Sweden. Like they're the people that, in my opinion, people should be listening to rather than me, basically. So that's yeah, that's how I'd that's where I'd go with it. But that's how I'd frame my thought process when being asked more specific questions. It's a lovely, lovely trait to have for a podcast. So, like, that's not me just been trying to be that, but I think that is that is the way I've framed myself and the podcast to be able to to be able to push forward. And yeah, that's yeah. I think with with what you're saying and trying to push people forward, you're obviously being surrounded and being clouded in such knowledge and experience. And for people who are learning off your podcast, again, I'm going to switch it back to yourself. What is your learning process or method that maybe when you're preparing for a specific topic that you haven't touched on in a little while or following an episode that it sparked your interest, what is your learning process to gather that information into your and turn it into your understanding? So do you use white papers, re, scientific research? Do you listen to more podcasts? What is your style and what is your process? How, how, I, how I view my knowledge, I suppose, is a little bit, a little bit of everything. And again, I don't go too deep in many different topics, apart from ones that maybe just spark a little bit of interest at the time. But I'm always trying to keep in touch with what's going on from a not a superficial level, but just a 
a Twitter level maybe or an Instagram level of what what people are talking about. Okay, what are the and, and I refer back to guests that have been on the podcast. So I'll mention Jonas again. Like what is Jonas talking about? Okay, he's talking about X. That's something that's gonna spark a lot of interest. Okay, I don't have loads of knowledge in that, so I'll just spend a I don't know, an hour just catching up with a few research papers, a few articles, and just to upskilling them areas that I think are gonna be particularly hot and are gonna probably come up in the podcast with people. And again, I can't be making myself look a fool by not knowing what these kind of things are. So I think that's that's where I'd see my knowledge base really but in terms of where i go for that it will just be it will be on twitter then one thing leads to another it'll be someone sharing an article then it's okay that's interesting and one thing that was a a big learning curve for me was when i had don scott who was at the u.s national women's team at the time talking about uh how performance is affected uh during the menstrual cycle and that was like okay this is something that i've not really dived into before i need to really you know brush up on this that led to a second episode with georgie bruinvals a couple of months later and hopefully i was a little more educated so we can go go we've gone a little bit deeper with george than i did with dawn so it's it's almost just it's almost winging it really to be honest but it's just been a bit reactive in seeing what's going to be a big topic of discussion so then i can brush up on it and I think for me, it's almost like a drip feeding all the time. It's not specific. I don't sit down for six hours and go, okay, this is my subject. This is what I'm going to dive into. It's just taking little bits and, yeah, just adding to my knowledge a couple of hours during the day, just have a little look, see what's going on. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's the, that's the kind of unstructured learning that I seem to be doing. And it's working. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and, and Rob, you'll have acquired quite a, you know, a, a depth across a lot of different areas. And obviously the name of this podcast, you know, we've got sleep and we've got eat right at the start of it. So curious as to maybe, maybe the people you've spoken to or the biggest things you've learned in that space. But we all know the importance of, of recovery and sleep. And obviously there's a lot more uh, evidence and dialogues around it. You know, we, we hear the pieces of work from Walker and he's affiliated with Aura and we know about Little Hills based over in your part of the world. And then the nutrition, obviously, we all know if you if you look after your diet, as bodybuilders or powerlifters would say, that nearly wins the comp for them. So in terms of the sleep and nutrition space, what, what are the biggest things you've, you've maybe learned, um, not having to give an opinion on it, but maybe just can point us in the right direction or point our listeners, maybe that will get them to realize that if they get a bit more ownership of those habits, they're going li- to be a little bit healthier going into 2021. It's interesting that you bring sleep up because sleep has been something that's been covered quite a lot in the podcast. There's probably been six or seven, maybe eight guests that have come on solely to discuss sleep. And one thing that I've discovered having spoken to other people who are in in the industry, the sleep research and guidance around sleep and tech to manage sleep and monitor sleep it's quite out there. It's quite advanced. But then when you speak to practitioners, I think there's still that disconnect between what the research is saying, the tech that can be is out there to manage and monitor, what's actually happening within organizations, 
I think people are still trying to figure that that out and put the puzzle pieces together to link the two. And again, again, I don't know if this is just my interpretation and you guys maybe know a little bit better than me, but I think that's something that does seem to need to improve. And I think there's a lot of constraints within clubs, groups of young guys or young girls who are in these organisations putting that research into practice there's a lot of things that need to be juggled to make that happen. And I think that I've heard of a couple of stories recently of how people have integrated the Aura Ring, for example, into um, monitoring sleep for their athletes and how training times have been altered because of sleep patterns of their players and pushing back training so people can get more sleep because they end up going to bed later for whatever reason, them kind of things. But to me, them kind of stories that I come across are maybe a little bit less frequent than maybe you'd you'd think. Or maybe them the people who are doing that kind of thing don't communicate that or don't want to communicate that. But in terms of sleep, I think there is there seems does seem to be a big disconnect between the research and the advice with when organisations still do struggle with that. And probably I'm talking about the medium sized to smaller sized organisations because maybe the bigger ones can get a sleep consultant in to advise on these kind of things because, you know, they've got the resources and the, the capability to do that. Do you guys have a, do you guys see a similar, a similar thing with the research and the, and the sleep side of stuff? No, it's a great point, Rob. Like I'm wearing an aura and the man beside me is wearing a whoop. And yeah, from definitely from, I can speak from my personal experience. Yeah. You kind of hear about it and we hear about cycles and, the importance of bookending your day and winding down and blue lights. Um, but yet, yeah, I still don't see enough traction because everyone's saying how important it is. It's the most important thing you can do and it's costs no money and it's very easy to control it. And yet people still tend to go to bed a bit late maybe, and they're still maybe on their phones and their the room and the environment isn't quite right yet, despite knowing everything. Mm-hmm. So, for sure, there's so much ex- experience out there and books coming out in papers. Um, even Harvard Business Review, you'd read articles in it. But yeah, the disconnect, that's a great point. And I very much would agree with you on that one. Mm. What you see is it's becoming almost like the nutrition field where we're acquiring all of this knowledge and it's been disseminated well and been given in terms that we can all embrace and understand. Yet there's still the disconnect between behavior. So we do know what foods to eat well generally for performance, for for general well-being, but doesn't always happen. And then sleep thing, it's probably at that stage as well. With the whoop, I think the insights are great. The aura insights are fantastic. So it's just, am I using them insights to really change my behavior or am I just doing it to keep an eye on what the what the score is? So I think it's that sort of, that trade-off of how much it will impact our day-to-day versus how much knowledge we acquire. And, mm-hmm. and also all that data and seeing first thing in the morning on your phone, oh yeah, I slept this amount of sleep and this sort of quality, but trying to understand the why and the how as to how you can change it. I don't think we're quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Even in the even in the high-end performance pro sport level, and definitely here in you know amateur sport in Ireland, we could be we still could be a lot better. And we we suit our some of our work with corporates that there's a bit of education, but there could there could be more take on with it, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it's something that can really, really help us. So Great point. I think we're uh, we're all in the same camp on that one, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think th- the stories, and again, the, the story that I heard about people tra- changing the training times, they're the kind of things, they're the kind of really valuable insights I think can 
can really push things forward and giving them real clear case studies will really help things. But again, it may just be me and not coming across these things or not getting access to these things. But I don't hear loads of that them stories out there. I think it's those stories that can really help people get a sense of what it is like in practice rather than just reading research and going, okay, that's great, but I've got, I don't know, 16 players under 24 who have got this, 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 and it's just never going to work, never going to work. So, yeah, I think them stories are a key. I think what we hone in on sometimes too is you hear the outliers, you hear about LeBron James and Tom Brady and these guys, right, that have the infrastructure, okay, (laughs) at every sort of level. But how can you relate it to the people that are, you know, 30 and have a young kid who's three months old and are trying to work and are also trying to play amateur Gaelic football? And then it becomes a bit more challenging to get quality sleep and getting to bed at the right hour and understanding the habits so i think that relatable piece to those sort of people is something we could get better on as well 100 percent, absolutely agree i just want to jump back to early on when you were talking about starting the podcast and it was something that wasn't around at the time you're quite early to podcasting it would obviously it required you to sort of pave a way for yourself create a path that wasn't there I'm just thinking about young aspiring S&Cs, physios, all of them people I mentioned before. If they're coming out of college and they're looking to do maybe something a little bit different or diverse, would you have any advice for them to take on something like that, like you took on the podcast? Yeah, I think, again, going back to a a phrase I've probably used a couple of times in just winging it, I think that's something that's followed me around, uh, especially over the last seven years. I think it's just starting. It's just starting and being comfortable with the fact that it's not going to be very good and you're going to learn as you go because I, there's been there's been plenty of things that I've thought a lot about maybe a new project to complement the podcast or run alongside it or whatever it may be and just never got going it's just I've lost impetus because I've just built up in my head that it's going to take so much time and it never does anything but there's been other things that I've started learned and then Dropped it because, okay, I've learned that there is, I ain't got enough time and I'm going to have to drop it in favor of something else. And I think that's all right. And it's the whole phrase of just fail fast. And I think that's something that I, I would encourage people to do is just start, realize it's not going to be very good, but then reassess and just keep reassessing. Does this fit still fit in with the way I want to do things or the way I want to go? If it does, fantastic. If it doesn't, put it to the side, like you've tried it. It didn't work or for whatever reason, and it's gone. And you can move on to something else. Whereas in the past, I've, like I said, I've pondered and pondered and built up this big machine that needs to run alongside this product or this offering. It never really goes anywhere. I just get overwhelmed. Okay, I can't do it because I've, I've taught myself out of it. Whereas with the podcast, it was, yeah, I'll do this, like, see where it goes, learn as we go. And I look back even when I've been going through audio from two years ago and think, why would anyone listen to this? What am I talking about? But every, you know, that's 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 the same with everyone. I mean, guests who've come on have commented, I'll listen to it, but I can only listen to the first 10 minutes because I just can't listen to myself. How anyone understands me is beyond me. Like That is the kind of thing that guests say and people that we 
the industry maybe puts on a pedestal as, as experts, like they're self-conscious and they're worried about whether they say a term correctly or explain themselves correctly. So it's not just the new grads or the young SNC coaches who are who are self-conscious with putting things out there. Everyone is. Everyone is. So it's just pushing past that and going, I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to learn as I go. And I think that's that's the biggest advice that I would I would give him that's that's definitely from personal experience yeah and Rob like we've been uh, actually asked the question is that the same podcast have you changed <laughs> wow that audio was terrible yes <laughs> I know it's our oh, audio the audio quality of podcasts because there is so many well-produced podcasts now and people and companies that are spending a lot of money on doing it when you get one that's not because it's a a smaller podcast or it's a, I don't know, something that's just a, a side project for someone, it kills you a little bit when it's not very good, doesn't it? Because the, the bar has been raised so much. And I think if people are starting a podcast, you can get set up pretty quickly. It's not a particularly expensive project to get going. Hosting's pretty cheap. Like a mic, microphones have come down in in, uh, in price massively. You can get a Blue Yeti on Amazon for, I don't know, 80 quid, and you're pretty much there. You don't really need anything else. So I think, again, just not to bang the podcast drum too hard, but it's it, it, so many learnings from doing podcasts. So so we're going to scratch the voice memo piece that we've been doing. And, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get a Blue Yeti. Um, <laughs> Rob... Uh, one of my last questions, I'm just curious about somebody who's navigating their career path, you know, or starting their journey in the healthcare professional space, allied healthcare space. What kind of suggestions would you give to that person maybe on the start of that journey or or even at the point when they're deciding, actually, this is not really what I want to do. I want to try something different. This is a big, I suppose, a big bugbear of mine. And not to get on my high horse too much. But the the obsession with working in pro sport, and I get it, I get it. Like it's it's great to tell your friends that you're working at, I don't know, Doncaster Rovers, the the dizzy heights of of League One football, and people do see the the, the shining lights and the. I know this is a bit pretty underhand to say, but the tracksuit, and I love the tracksuit. I like to go to the training ground in my, in my tracksuit and have Donny Rovers on it. I'd go to Asda and people would look at you and think, is he a player? Is he a member of staff? It kind of fit. And it, they definitely knew I wasn't a player. <laughs> but but um, especially if I had a ball at my feet. But people do get sucked in by that. And I think it's easy to do that. And not saying that it doesn't sometimes doesn't live up to the expectation, but I think a lot of the time it doesn't live up to expectation. It, it Not because there's anything negative about it, but it's just put on a pedestal so, so much that when you get there, it's maybe, okay, is this, is this, is this it? And that was certainly for me. Maybe that was the, the club that I was in, but I've spoke to people at bigger clubs that than I was at who've subsequently moved away and, and had that same realisation of, in you know, talking to themselves in their head going, is, is this it? Like, is this where we, what I really wanted to do? And, for those that do want to pursue it, 100%, go for it, because there's some great clubs, some great practitioners, and there's some really good work to be done. But just don't discount everything else. There are so many other options 
to make a really good career, have a really good life, and potentially earn just as much or more cash doing something else. Not something else and go be a joiner or an electrician, but just something that's run alongside our the, the kind of elite sport side of the industry. There's private setting. You mentioned Dan Lawrence, you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So someone like him, like, he's an elite sport, but he's got products and services that are run alongside that. That for, like you say, the everyday athlete, there's the everyday coach. There's so many options out there that are outside of elite sport. And I, I had I had one at, at, when I used to work for Catapult, the GPS company. Like I was I was going to clubs, I was helping clubs, I was doing contracts for uh, renegotiation contracts and uh, renewals and that kind of thing. But I was also speaking to practitioners about the technology. So I was going in, I was speaking to these guys, I was taking all I could from them, and then I was waving by at lunchtime after having a delicious meal at, a, at championship clubs, which is, was the best part of the job. Um, but then leaving and leaving the politics behind and going to another one and having a really nice chat with them guys there. And that was that for me, that was a, a, a great lifestyle because I kind of got my fix of being in a club, seeing people train, chatting to practitioners, but then leaving the politics behind. So there are plenty of options for people wanting to get into the industry that aren't pro sport. However, if people do want to pursue a career in pro sport, there is some great clubs out there. And it's if you get a good one, it's it's a great experience. That's great. And it's a good, very good message. Really, really important for people. We've picked your brain an awful lot. So I've got a few more quick fire questions to throw at you so I can get just that last little bit of stuff <laughs> out there. What's your favorite books? If you had to gift maybe one or two, what would they be? One, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. And that was recommended to me by the second person who came on the podcast, which was Keir Wenham Flat, rugby strength coach. Um, that kind of changed my view of networking and what networking was, which is actually just giving value to, to people. Um, so I would definitely encourage that. And then there was The 4-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. And that came to me at a good time. That It's often the, the book's and maybe not the best books, but they're the best books for you at a certain time. And that came for, came to me at a great time just to reevaluate what I actually wanted from the lifestyle, what lifestyle that I wanted and how I could actually get that doing the things that I was doing. So Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi and Four I Work With by Tim Ferriss. Top two for me. Very good. And apart from Sleepy Perform Repeat, obviously, what are your favorite podcasts, one or two? Um, how I built this. Oh, very good. Yeah, which is I, I was listening to it this morning on the way to the shop. Actually, um, it right. wasn't. It wasn't. Yes, exactly. It was the interview with the CEO at Spotify, which was fascinating. Swedish company, Swedish values, but trying to make it in a very US centric world. So that was that was really interesting. Um, I listened to one which is basically. Two ex-pro footballers, ex-pro soccer players, just telling stories about pro sport. And it's become, ironically, it's become quite a mental health-centric podcast because the amount of ex-pros that they do interview on the on the podcast who have mental health issues. So that's that's a really interesting, yes, very funny, but very sad at the same time, a lot of the time as well. And that's called Under the Cosh. 
So that's that's really good as well. So them two are my go-tos. Dairaz's book has all just came out recently, Rob. If you haven't read it, it's very good. Yes, it's on the Amazon wish list. Rob, look, you've you've given a lot of value to others. It's been reciprocated, and you've given value to us today, and we appreciate it. We have one final question, which is, what does high performance mean to you, Robert Pacey? It's a fantastic question. It means just continually, and this maybe I'm playing this down here, but this is how I... This is how I see it, and this is how I try to work through it daily, is just consistently putting one foot in front of the other and just doing that every single day. It's a buzzword now, but relentlessly. Just being aware that it's I'm playing a long-term game here. I'm not playing a, a game that is a year long or 18 months long. And I think that's something that's changed for me, especially in the last couple of years, that I'm playing, and just to quote Naval, playing long-term games with long-term people. I think that's something that really stood out for me with that quote, and I think probably encompassed where I was thinking as well. But yeah, just been relentless in in continually doing the right things. Now, again, that comes back to coaches that I worked for in the past with football. Just do the right things and do them continually, and the results will take care of themselves. Robert, from the two of us here, we'd like to say thank you very much, sincerely, for giving us your time today. Um, really appreciate it. We've obviously been listening to your show for a while now and you know, really admire all the work that you, that you give out because you want to, because it's something you, that's really important to you. So wishing you the very best. Um, stay fit, stay healthy, and uh, speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers, Rob. Cheers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.